Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. You can catch a lot of flies with honey, but you'll catch more honeys by being fly. My name is Matt. And I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you? And uh, why would you want to catch flies? Like, why would you want to catch them? I, I just think that was an awesome, <laughs> awesome catchphrase. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. What are you, what are you drinking, man? So uh, Laura was kind enough to run it, go on a beer run between Ooh. episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so do you I, not I, keep beer like like stocked at all times? No, no, we do. But oh. We're like towards the end. I think I have like three left in the fridge. So you had some, but you were. I like, had I want some, but new. I want like different types. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You right. know, I had like five of the six pack of a lot mm-hmm, of them, mm-hmm. or three out of the four. But this one delighted me looking at it. It's like it's like oh, exactly what I want. It's called Little Sal. It's a sour aged um, with blueberries. Well, uh, who makes it? Allagash. Oh, okay. Can I see um, the bottle? Yeah, it has like. And, and so I would have thought, yeah, nice. you know, the it's blue and stuff like that. Yeah. I poured out. It was like dark red. Yeah. It's, Allagash is a uh, great brewery. Allagash White. Can't go wrong with Allagash White. Mm. Um, I like. OK, so I didn't mention this. I'm drinking a Kolsch again. Mm. Um, this is called Fra. I believe I can't. It's all in German. It's all it's from Cologne, Germany. Um, so why? Why so many Kolsches? So I am in the process. This is this is research for me. I am a quote quote unquote. You can't say the air quotes. It's a research. business write off, right? Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a write off. <laughs> I am uh, working on home brewing my own version of a Kolsch. I've 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 done twenty batches of New England IPA, and I feel like I've pretty much got it down. I'm like happy with the final product, and I feel like I can experiment within that style. And so now I want to try something. Um, that's challenging because a Kolsch is a very clean beer flavored beer that you really can't hide behind with a bunch of hops and, you know, stuff. So it's uh, it's going to be a challenge, but I am up for it. It's one of my favorite styles of beer. Mm. And it's like sort of the complete opposite of IPA. It's like <laughs> it just tastes like your dad's beer. And I love it. Dude, please tell me that you do seriously write this beer off because... All the beer that it, I drink. I don't I don't. Well, you have a website it's, it's, Brew Cabin. I do, but I'm a, I mean I'm it's for me. I'm I'm the but, one drinking it. But it's it. research for Brew Cabin. Listen, money matters. I enjoy the drinks, but 
What's my matters pays for it. <laughs> yeah. So I need, I need to build like a recipe bank and then yes, it becomes a write off where I can, it's like, Oh, I'm doing research to, to develop the perfect Kolsch recipe to, uh, you know, to put on the website. So I will. All right. Well, well maybe you should do that. Then. All right. Fine. Fine. Oh, after this episode, I will, I will start writing off my homebrew supplies, which is awesome. Yeah. So speaking of awesome, today's catchphrase, which I want to read again, you can catch a lot of flies with honey, but you'll catch more honeys being fly is from Matthew via email. Thank you, Matthew. Great name. When we, when we read phrase. that, I was just like delighted because I had no expectations of any of that at the end. Yeah, mm. it's funny. Today, we're talking about five questions. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's just dive in. Yeah. Question number one is about bond ETFs. Ugh. Your favorite topic. Yeah, starting off real strong. <laughs> All right, here we go. Can you explain or can you direct me to where I can learn about how bond ETFs work? I know that bonds are a fixed income that pay a set of interest upon maturity. I know that you pay a lump sum to purchase a bond. I don't understand how bond ETFs work. Specifically, how do they work with dollar cost averaging? For example, if there's a bond ETF that is trading at $60 a share and I bought two shares each month, what date does that start calculating the maturity rate? Mm, excellent question. Go for uh, it. I, you don't want to start with this one? <laughs> I don't I don't think I I don't think I know the answer here. Okay. So, um correct bonds uh pay interest. It's often ca uh classified as fixed income. Typically a lot of them pay like two times a year. It's like roughly every six months you'll get interest. Um, bond ETFs work differently because there are many, many bonds in a single bond ETF, like billions of dollars. Okay. Um, and so what happens is bonds are maturing all the time. And then mm -hmm. when they mature and they get the principal back, they're buying new bonds. And just as the way it kind of works, all the maturities are spread out. And it's such that like, you actually get dividend payments monthly, rather consistently, um, as a result of just kind of like mixed maturities, a ton of bonds in there. So it acts much more like just a dividend-only paying ETF. Uh -huh. and, and the reason I say that is if you take, um, for example, BLV, which is Vanguard's long-term bond fund, it's in the Golden Butterfly, that we talked about, mm -hmm. and you pull mm -hmm. uh, the, like the Google Finance or Yahoo Graph out to the total time it exists, you'll notice that the price goes up, the price goes down, it goes up, goes down, but it generally remains rather consistent in like the same price bands because you know it's going up and down based on like dividends being paid or um, you know the bonds paying their interest, right? Um, but uh, it, it's. So, so you don't buy it for growth in the share price. You buy it for the yield, essentially. Okay, you're buying it for the dividends. Correct. Yes. So it's so it's sort of like it's a wave, it's a wave pattern, but it stays within a you know a, there's a top and a bottom. Like sixty to, it, to ninety dollars is my you know. Sure. Okay. So dollar cost averaging works because sometimes it just paid out a big yield, and so you're buying it when it's lower, mm -hmm. and then. 
and then you buy it, you know, when it's high and low and high and low, and, and it kind of averages out over time. Exactly. And you're getting and, the benefit you know, of that. So you don't actually own the full bond then. Well, I mean, you you own, like in Vanguard's case, the shareholders own Vanguard, essentially. So if you were to mm-hmm. do with Vanguard, technically, yes. Okay. Um, But you would, you would buy it for the yield. You wouldn't buy it for the price. And... Okay, so so you're not. It's not like you're. It's not like buying a single bond at a certain price, and then that's the date where you buy it, and then over time it just keeps growing and growing and growing. You're not taking any. You're not. You know. You're you're gaining money, but it's just like slowly over time. Right, and then you have to worry like, is this the right time to buy that bond? Because some bonds could be more expensive. Maybe it's right, a but that's company. if you're buying a bond outright, the same as buying a stock. Right, but the thing is, like with something like the Vanguard. Uh, bond fund, BLV, or, or any of their stuff, the, the fee for that one specifically is 0.07%. So, so it's low. Basically nothing. Mm-hmm. And then you have these experts literally picking the best options at the best time for you. Yeah. So you kind of just win on all fronts. So it's a bond bundle. Yeah. It's a and basket of bonds. All right. Basket of bonds. Is that? I hope that answers the question. You think that answers the question? That answers the question. I think yeah. so. Uh, it's like buying believe- an income stream, basically. Got it. Okay, cool. So thanks, Nikita. Appreciate that question. Strong start to the five questions. Woo! Getting real technical. Moving on to question number two. It's about books. <laughs> My favorite movie is books. What books, not specifically about money, have had an impact on your financial education or perspective on money and wealth? Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I got a bunch. Do you want to go? Um, well, we had Ramit on the show. Mm-hmm. His book was probably the most influential book when it came to my change in personal finance appreciation, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of was that book and The Simple Dollar were the two personal finance books that sent me uh, with a catalyst to where I am today. Change your life. Changed my life for sure. Um, I've read books before that about personal finance. Like I've, you know, you know, growing up, especially around people who are, oh, you know, you really want to make some money. Check out Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm. It's like fuck you. It it <laughs> sucks. I mean that whatever that book's. It's I. It sucks. I I've read it. It's fine. But now I'm like, it's. But now it's been. It's been. It's no. Don't follow it. Um. <laughs> I I remember reading The Richest Man in Babylon, which again, like Reddit, fine. Another one that will be like top recommended, whatever. Sure. But yeah, Automatic Millionaire was another one. I did not. I don't know that one. They they actually gave me a copy of that book when I bought my house. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was when you bought your house at the peak of the market for nothing down. <laughs> right. Right. Like, yeah, good luck, like here's a book. <laughs> soft, soft cover book. You're going to need it, this. It, <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't know, whatever. Um, so that, those are like, I mean, like those are, those are the three books that like kind of came in my life. Those are super money I books. Wasn't, he said, yeah, not I was specifically, I so. know. So they were just, I'm just want to kind of give them all that. That was the three that kind of came in when I wasn't ready to like start this journey, but it wasn't until I read the simple dollar first. But then when Ramit, when I read Ramit's book, I was like, oh, it fucking changed me. Mm. It really just sent me down like a because it was very tactical. It's like do this. I'm like okay, I that I kind of resonate with. Um, 
books that have sort of that are not money based but have had a impact on me uh a really weird one um and it's my favorite book i've ever read is what (laughs) mastering mint (laughs) mastering mint i think you said mastering commander uh no mastering mint yeah it changed my life i think i had a hand in that i think i had a hand in that book um (laughs) you did uh honestly the weirdest one is the jim henson biography Mm, i remember you telling me about that yeah so i own a copy a physical copy of it because it was that influential to me uh i'm like i I like the muppets and stuff they're great um but his there was one piece of advice not even advice but something that he just believed in he believed in owning everything Mm. he didn't believe in of the creative um, process and everything he owned it he did not like he didn't he he was the sole owner of the muppets all the way until he died Mm. And he didn't like other people having control of his brand. And he made that very clear. He wasn't a dick about it. He was just like, nope, um, it's all me. And there was a reason for that. And I kind of just was like, yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, That one was big. I read um, a book that was really interesting it's it's it sounds like all right. So I will admit, like Ramit's title of his book is "I Will Teach You to Be Rich." Very spammy. Sounds douche chill all day, mm. but it is. But and that's actually the recommendation that I got was like, ignore the title because it is purposefully done that way. The same with like Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week. Like he researched that Salacious. and tested that. Yeah, he did it on purpose. It was originally called "How to Make Money Selling Drugs" or something like that. Mm. And, you know, he tested out the different titles and that one got picked up the most. Talks about it in the book. Yeah. Which is fascinating and super. Yeah. So it is like, so ignore the title because it actually has a lot of good information. Same with this book, uh, How to Get Rich. Have you read that one? No. Um, Felix Dennis, I believe his name is. He's, uh, he owned Dennis, Dennis Publishing or Dennis Media. That He did uh, Maxim Magazine PC World. He owned a bunch of magazines, and he talked about he talks about how to get rich. It's really tongue in cheek. It's really funny. It's really like all this shit is hard. Like, don't let anybody <laughs> tell you it's not hard. Um, it's very good, and it's not as as douchey as the title presents. Mm. I remember reading that and going like, "Wow, this is really profound." I liked it. So I can look at my shelf. There's probably more, but those are. The ones specifically about money that come to mind. What about you? Um, all right. So I, I've told you about essentialism probably like a million times. Yep, I've read it. Chewed, chewed everyone's ear off that will listen. That I think had the most impact on me because I always felt like I had to do everything. Or, you know, someone asks you, Can you do this? Like you just obviously, yes, of course I can do it. I know how to do it. I'm capable of doing it. I will do it. And <laughs> well, that, I mean, that it's was funny. my mind. You know, he he tweeted something mm. the other day. The guy that wrote that book, Greg and I responded. McCowan or something? McCowan? Yeah, Greg. Yeah. He tweeted something like, um, you know, you have permission not to do everything. Mm. Or something like that. Or give yourself permission not to do everything. And I responded. Or he said, it was give yourself permission not to do it all. And I wrote, no, do it all. Just give yourself time. Mm. And it's like, 
<laughs> so it's not, it's essentialism, but it's like one thing at a time, not, you know, you can, yeah, dude, if you want to do everything like there, but you're, you're looking why, at, looking at it through the business owner lens. And I, I think you have to, you have well, to take those off because like, uh, uh like oh, you own all of the things that you do. And so if you do them over the course of two years, like you'll still reap all the benefits of whatever. But when, when I was at iHeart, um, or, and I actually read it before iHeart, I was at Barclays, which was even more acute. Mm -hmm. People would show up to my desk oh. and they're like, Hey, Andrew, can you like run this report or whatever? You know, I was the data guy. Of course I could do it. And I, I was doing favors all day left and right. And it was not helping me out at all. And it's not like it has to be selfish, but you want a raise and a promotion and to be able to go home at 5.30 and these basic things. And it's like uh, how to not be an asshole. Actually, people will like you more when you set boundaries. I guess it's boundaries. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, I, you're right. I was looking at that through the lens of a business owner. I read it when I was a business owner, mm. so I guess that makes sense. I didn't read it prior to. But I guess the same would I can make the same argument with I will teach you to be rich. If I read that now, I would have a totally different outlook on it. Yeah. I mean, for for sure. Okay. I mean, now that you know money things and, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, sure. And like I feel like a lot of the times when you read books, like after you gain the knowledge years later, you're like, ah, the book was good, but I just kind of know things. Um, sure, sure. But uh, another one that I had read that, you know, is not like the most blazing read is uh, uh, Getting Things Done, GTD. Yeah, yeah. So I'd read that back like right when I graduated college. And yeah. wow. OK, that's you read that. And a while so like, ago. now I know how to do things. But like and I thought I knew how to do things then. But like, and, I mean, you know, because all you talk about is process and it's just yeah. coming up with a process. And when you're when you don't know what a process is, devising this thing yeah. you don't know seems impossible. And he gives you an excellent process to implement to get shit done. Uh, like absolutely changed my life. Would not have been able to do any business things without it. Yeah, I would say that that book you can get through very quickly because you really just need. He just kind of lays out the process in the beginning, and it's like and it's like oh, worksheet just, type yeah, things, yeah. and so it's visual, uh, like. Listen More Matters was built while I had a job and all these other things. And it was because of you have to be like hyper organized. Do you have any books that are specifically about like not not a, not necessarily a personal finance book, but a book that like made you think differently about money, not like money specifically? Mm. It, like I'm thinking of Good to Great. I know you. It's, it's you literally on my list. Oh, it you have, is a, oh, you have a list. Yeah, yeah I, I have oh, a list. I was just coming up with this shit on the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I have three more on my list. But so good oh, to okay. great. No, good. I thought was Jim Jim's James Jim's Jim, Jim, Jim Collins. Yeah, uh, I thought it was fantastic. And and essentially, uh, and and like you you need to read the book to mm -hmm. get the meat of it. But um, he gets all of his like grad students together, and they essentially he wants to find out what makes a company that was good amazing you know like what yes. changed and uh, that's the book i get recommended the most and i still have not read it oh matt i, th I think like so okay for example uh walgreens i think it was either yeah it was walgreens was one of the ones that was in it and they were a mediocre company for a very long time and and i mean they they figure all this stuff out after analyzing hundreds and hundreds of companies but essentially they wound up like 
focusing focusing super acutely on their stores, the layout, the customer like path, and putting products in certain places. But you know that's the end result, and then it's kind of the the uh, the discipline of the organization and the people put in place to arrive at that conclusion, and just it it's very insightful in like the journeys of things becoming amazing. Okay. Um, I will read it. It's on my list. If that, if that didn't sell you, you know, <laughs> uh, atomic habits. Um, I don't think it like drastically changed my life, but I found it like pretty impactful lately. And that's, that's a more recent read. Cause that just came out. Yeah. So that one, I want to say came out within the last year for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's James clear. Uh, huge. Who we've, who we've had on the show. Yeah, huge fan. Oh, yeah, to the max. And and the episode actually, I thought was awesome. Awesome mm-hmm. being that it was an early episode. And yeah, back when I was on the show. Well, we were on like half the episodes, but you know, mm-hmm. we, I don't know if we knew how to do really good then, but it was really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and um, it's it's more about like flipping your mindset or my takeaway, like you know the whole. I'm not a smoker or I'm yeah. trying to quit, you know, and just you, you own the persona of the type of person that you want to become. Exactly. Yeah. And so just trying to focus on that instead of necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I would, out of all the books you mentioned for personal finance, I think that one probably has the most relevancy because the idea that I, decided one day to not be shitty with money Mm. and build a habit to not be shitty at it is probably the most like helpful thing you can do if you want to get better with your financial situation is just own the fact that like i'm tired i was like i'm tired of being like a dumbass when it comes to money like i'm just sick of not knowing things i'm sick of being this like the, the person that's like oh don't trust matt with money he'll fucking just spend it or you know i don't want to be known as that guy i want to be the i want to be known as the person who is like no if you want to talk about money talk to that guy like that was and that was a change of mindset it was it was a declaration Mm. right because i think he talks about like you have to make that declaration to yourself yeah and then sort of like, and then that's what starts the habit building of becoming better at it. And I think that's exactly what I did without reading the book. But, you know, after reading his stuff later, it was like, oh, let me see what I can do that. I've done that. I've personally done that in, in places, but then I've done it now knowing that that's actually a, a trick or not a trick, but a, mm. you know, a tactic, if you will. So as a result of that book. So, okay. So I tend to be overconfident at bordering like, um, no. arrogant or whatever um and so as a result of that book i I wrote on my whiteboard in red to just kind of uh always be there i erase around it um how do i know i'm right how do you know all right explain that so i wrote how do i know i am right and so whenever i go to the whiteboard or i'm looking around or whatever I, i see it and it reminds me that the things that I am insanely confident in may not be correct. My perceptions of other people, mm. my decisions that I might make with the business, whatever. And I don't know if it has made any meaningful impact, but it it gives me pause and forces me to L- listen. 
Yeah, because I tend to uh, be very headstrong, and that is to my detriment. Yep. I I feel like I used to be that way, too. I don't know what changed. Maybe moving to Boulder, just being a all-around softer person, both physically and mentally. The East Coast is, is hardening. <laughs> <laughs> it just it turns you into a stone hen. Like, you're just like, yeah, I get mm. that. But I, I've been... You know what? I, I think I've taken the opposite approach. I'm like, tell me I'm wrong. Please, for the <laughs> love of God, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me a better way. But there are few people who will have the balls or ovaries to really tell you. And yeah. Mm. You're one of those people. But but I will have to pick your brain about my arrogance right. later. I want to I want to hear more. <laughs> all right, all right, we, uh, got, we got time. Um, all right. Well, I, I just had one more unrelated. One? Uh, so Terry yeah. Brooks, do you know of him? He's, uh, he writes nope. like fantasy books, mostly about like elves and elf stones. I you sure? Don't know who <laughs> still is. sure. So uh, so he wrote this uh, the Shannara series, and I mean the guy has created an ungodly amount of books. I read about like the first 16 or so of them um mm -hmm. and just you know really change my perception on elves how has that helped you with my <laughs> that's, that's right. where all the money comes and from. the underwear gnomes does it take, does it, does it take place in what? iceland does it take place in iceland no yeah they love their elves over there that is true anybody from iceland verify that for me please. <laughs> that's right that you guys literally will build roads around what you guys believe are habitants or habitats for elves. Mm. They're very polite. Please. They're very <laughs> polite. Uh, all right. Well, I want to thank Jamal for the question. That was a long one. We have a lot to talk about there. Uh, okay. Moving on to question number three, liquidating socks. Socks. Yes. All right. Well, it says it says rule number three: so liquidating socks. <laughs> <laughs> I have all these old socks, and no one will buy them for me. <laughs> I need to liquidate these socks. That sounds like something Marco Simonis would do if he like bought a sock company. Like these socks aren't selling. We got to liquidate That's these right. socks. One dollar socks. No one's buying them. All right. So, <laughs> hey guys, really enjoy your show and your beer choices. Thank you. Damn right. But, hell yeah. You make money matters easy to understand and fun. I have two. I have turned my two kids onto your show and hope they can get as much out of your show as I do when I listen to it. Question. Well, thank you very much for that, Bob. Appreciate that. Uh, investment strategy in converting an aggressive portfolio into a letter in later. life portfolio. Sorry, I, I think this is Laura and I's transposition stuff. Later. So a later in uh, life. Later in life. Okay. So let me just read that again. Investment strategy in converting an aggressive portfolio into a later in life portfolio. So basically converting from an aggressive portfolio into a conservative. I'm just remembering that you will literally read whatever we write in here. So in, in like a month yeah, or so, I'm, I'm start putting some dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> I am anchorman in that in that sense. Right? I am Ron Burgundy. I will just read whatever's on the We are liquidating ass socks. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I all right. So I have been investigating since I was in my twenties. I guess investing. <laughs> yes, since I was in my twenties. What the fuck is this? What are we doing? Why is this? What? What are you, are you doing this? They're like, are you? This is an April Fool's prank or something? No, no, no. Just, just read it. Just read it. It's fine. 
All right, I've been investing since I was in my 20s, and I just turned 60 after two retirements, one from the military and my second career as a PA in medicine. I have invested in stock mainly and now feel, oh, I've invested in stock mainly and now feel I should start converting into more conservative bonds and possible metals. How would you suggest someone to start liquidation of stock to convert over to bonds and metals? Or even should mm. I? So, let, let me lay it out as I see it. <clears throat> Here's a okay. guy, Bob. He has invested and done well for himself over his life. He is not only retiring, but he's looking to retire at 60, which is on the early end. Awesome, Bob. Now, um, the question is like, as you get older, you want to be more conservative in, in the yep. investments you hold. Yep. And so he's kind of asking, like, how do I do that? And so yeah. uh, the first thing I'd ask is, where is the money? If it's in an IRA, like just flip it because there's no consequences Once, as long as it's inside the IRA. I'm guessing because he's asking the question that it's not. So if we assume that he has taxable investments that are not in an yeah. IRA. Um, and so I would say or I would advise that he should be retired and earning no income. Or so okay, check this out. When you have stocks and they ETFs, whatever, and they grow and you sell them, they're tax uh, Yeah, you get taxed on them. Yeah, yep. you get taxed on it. And the amount you get taxed on, and let's assume it's long term capital gains tax mm -hmm. is dependent on your income. Mm. And so yeah. if you are single and make less than thirty eight thousand six hundred dollars a year, mm -hmm. you you know, or or married and make less than seventy seven thousand jointly mm -hmm. a year, mm -hmm. you will pay zero percent tax on your sales. Okay. So if you're married, and and this is if you're earning income, but these stock these stock or ETF sales will essentially count towards this number. And so if you're married and you're retired, so there's no income coming in in that tax year, you could flip seventy seven thousand of your stocks into bonds or something else and pay no tax on it. Got it. Now, if you were earning above 77,000, you're going to pay 15% on it. Mm -hmm. Anything you know, above the, 77? And Yes. And then above 479,000, you'll pay 20%. Okay, but I imagine it. if you're in that bracket, you literally have a team of people helping. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the, the name of the game is really to try and do a lot of this stuff either slowly, slowly over time. So you'd have already been doing it before you hit 60 mm. in small increments. Or, you know, if you're at your age, your point in life, wait until there is no income and then start flipping it in chunks. What do you recommend? For him? Yeah. At 60? Mm -hmm. uh, I would, you know... I would probably do a, a bit of it. Uh, I mean, it depends on the total amount he has. Yeah. But um, I'm if it's all 100% aggressive, I might at, at least flip 30 or whatever percent over. Um, over would, to bonds right now. Over, to, over to something less bonds. aggressive. Yeah. I would absolutely make sure that your income plus your sales don't push you in you know, 20, so, 20%. so, so, so would it be fair to say like, and I'm, and I'm going to 
you know, I'm putting you in a position of, you know how much you have, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine it's all aggressively invested right now. You are, you you are 60, Mm -hmm. right? What would you do right then? Would you do what I think is flip over 30% day one, like right now, 60, 60 years old, boom, flip it over. And then for the next five to 10 years, slowly move things over piece by piece. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that is a reasonable approach. And I guess okay. I would say the the one factor that gave me pause is how much wealth have you accumulated? Right. If you've accumulated that, a, yeah, and how much do you earn? Right. Because if you have a if you have a lot saved, mm-hmm. then I like and if it was me at sixty and I, I'm assuming that I don't destroy everything I've done until then, sure. I'm probably not gonna really I might just stay all aggressive because I'll be the vast majority of my portfolio will be able to wade through. Well, then there you go. That's another way too, right? Yeah. So then I would just kind of call what I need because like if I need 120,000 a year to live and I have 10 million, which I don't. Yeah. Like the vast majority, I won't need to move. All right. What do you think? What do you think Buffett is at right now? Do you think he's still aggressive? I I think he's just doing his thing and it, it doesn't matter. It's It's a game. All right, do you think that answered that or at least gave some insight into that question? So. I mean, yeah, it, there's a lot of missing information to give proper, to answer the question, you know, to give a game plan. But mm-hmm. those are some options, I think. So you can yeah. stay aggressive depending on how much you have and where your tax brackets lie. You could, you know, do a big lump sum like 30% right now and then kind of drip it out over, you know, for the next five to 10 years. Or you could, drip it out slowly or i mean you the, i guess the one that you would recommend is just flipping 100 percent of it o- over right? i would not recommend flipping 100 percent of it over. there you go yeah all right 30 percent. you said 30 percent. yes all right yeah, yeah cool yeah. all right we're gonna take a break when we come back we have two more questions whoop, whoop. and uh when we come back we'll answer those all right you ready for question number four yeah i'm dude i'm super ready Betterment versus Funrise. Oh, yeah. Who's going to win tonight's <laughs> battle between Betterment and Funrise? Did that work? Is that <laughs> uh, no, a little bit more? Any energy. no sound? I have no sound effects of like a crowd or anything. This is really low production value. Yeah, we need to get you a soundboard. Thank you. Really? Yeah. I no. have an iPad. I feel like I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, auga. I could definitely hook one up. All right, we we could we could try one. All right, we'll, we'll we'll give it a shot. All right, oh, maybe only for five questions. I'll I'll just have a sound. You know what? I feel that like that would be perfect. If I had a sound bed, <laughs> I feel like it would just everybody like. All right, stop it with the same thing over and over. <laughs> again. All right, so question number four. I have both a Betterment and a Fundrise account. My goal is long term growth. Which account do you recommend I contribute more to? I'd, oh, I don't know. Are you talking to me? I, I mean, look, I don't have a Fundrise account, so my answer is Betterment. Okay, so um, <laughs> I would say uh, that the the goal of Fundrise and Betterment are different, and I think that their like spot in your portfolio should be different. And so, yes, you know, Fundrise is only real estate, um, and so. I don't think that it should be the entirety of, you know, yep. maybe yep. excluding rental properties, max 30%. That's that, that kind of feels like a lot. And okay. But let me, let me, all right. He's, but he's specifically saying, 
or or he or she, I guess, uh, long term growth. Mm. Okay, so for long term growth, I, 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 I mean, my beliefs are, are different than whenever I'm really intoxicated with real estate and how it is essentially working for us, and we, yeah, we are very meaningfully we're, we're laura and i are essentially hmm. doing fundrise at 2x what we're doing the golden butterfly and that's all that we're doing right now okay and it's not all right it's not you know not betterment but it's just kind of we're very heavy in stocks and etfs and i kind of want to even things yeah. out um so so i'm very excited the, about what fundrise does all right but you're but the question is the if the goal is long-term growth what do you contribute more of your income towards? Mm. And it's weird to say that because Betterment has in itself multiple types of accounts. Yeah. I mean, right. Real estate. So you are is, literally limited. You know, yeah. if you just have an IRA with Betterment, you are limited to 50 or now $6,000 a year. Mm. You know, if you have a SEP IRA, which I just, or no, what do I have? A SEP 401 or SEP IRA? I don't know what you have. What the hell did I just open? We just opened it the other day together. I was I wasn't with you. Yes, you were. You're the one who told me about it. Oh, I told you about a SEP IRA. I didn't SEP IRA. I wouldn't okay, have sat it. there while you filled in your no. You, no, and, it took two seconds on Betterment, but I but that's like fifty five thousand, right? Uh, it, it could be up to that, it, depending it, on yeah, a up bunch to that, of right? Stuff. Um, I also have a taxable account, which is basically like a standard brokerage account to buy stocks and bonds and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I have a saving a savings account, a super saver, which is like hundred percent bonds. So Betterman has like multiple things. Fundrise has one type of fund. True. It's, okay. Right? And, so, and it's also a not fair question. What is right. better for the long term? Because I don't know what's going to do better in the long sure. term. They're both excellent But also, but what are you going to contribute more to? If you, have, if you have a savings account, an IRA, and a brokerage account, then obviously it's going to be Betterman over Fundrise because Fundrise should only operate... At real estate in general should only operate. You're saying at a max thirty percent of your entire portfolio. I was I was going to say that uh, if we were just ta- yes, you're absolutely right. And so broadly speaking, if we were starting from zero or just as it, the the types of investments that Betterman goes into should be the vast majority of your long term view. Fundrise okay. is awesome, and I'm really excited about it. But it as compared to Betterman uh, would be a minority. There you go. Mm. That answers that. Cool. Thank you for helping me on whatever. Fuck yourself. Yes. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Cameron, for that question. Really appreciate it. Uh, all right. Moving on to question number five. Retirement plan. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to read it. You do it. <clears throat> Here we go. I have worked at a couple of different jobs where I have accrued money in (laughs) oppers or the Ohio public retirement system, Mm. which I did not know was a thing. I have three years total, and I am currently working a part-time job that has money going into the opper system. It is a great retirement system if you get to your 30 years or whatever you need. Well, that's that would be important to know. My question is... I don't plan on ever reaching that number because I am a farmer and I plan to do that for the rest of my career. I don't foresee me ever getting more than five years into the system. Should I leave the money in the system 
and take it out when I turn 60 or whenever I can. I'm currently 27. Or should I take it out? It'll be greatly taxed and use it to invest in land to farm. Or should I roll it into a 401k or a different plan? That is a very interesting and very specific question. Um, The Ohio public retirement system. Do you have any information? Yes. On I, so I looked that up. It's, it's like teachers and anyone who's employed, okay. employed by the public. That makes sense. So it's like, it's public service. It's like government. It's like a government or state. Yeah. I mean, job. it's perhaps, I mean, and I can't say with certainty, but not all that different from like a okay. TSP or, you know. All right. Understood. So, so, uh, David is who asked this question has been there for three years as part time because he's a mm-hmm. farmer. So, He's just working there part-time. He's got some money into this retirement system. Do we have any information on how much it earns, what it's being invested towards, so all that stuff? We, we don't know specifically what it's invested in, um, but mm-hmm. uh, there's two pieces of it. There's a pension, and then there's like a 401k-esque type thing. Um, okay. And I would say that, and this is just really super assumptions one he's 27 so he's young uh two he's working in the public sector so the salary Mm -hmm. probably isn't super high combined with being 27 so probably not making a lot of money combined with being part-time like kind of like tripling down on it not really being a lot of money um i would say that one you're not going to be able to buy much land with that. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, it could be towards, towards land. land. Fine. Sure. Um, should you roll it over into 401k? I don't believe it's going to work like that. And, and I also am pretty sure from what I read that it is not really a rollover type thing. Mm. Mm. Um, and so the question really is from, from what I see, should he take the money out now with a penalty? Or, or just, just leave, leave it. it. Yeah. So, it, all right. Look, it's pretty obvious that he's not going to be working this part-time job his whole life, and that's fine. And it sounds like. And I also want to know what are your what are you what are your farm what are you what are you farming? Because I have some interest in um Hemp agriculture. Farms? Well, I just I just want to know like is it is it is it anything I can use to put in beer? Is what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm mostly concerned about. <laughs> Um, Have you heard of Harvest Returns? Yeah, that too. So I believe right. you read an ad for them. I did. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Uh, so I, I mean, I love the idea of like owning a farm and putting money towards a farm. Mm. So three years, you're right. Three years part time. How much money could there possibly be in that account? And you can't roll it over in anything. So you just sit there. Dude, it, all right, I got my answer. Tell me. My answer is fucking pull it out. Pull it out. Take it out. Do what you want with it. I'd say if you want to put it towards um, land, which would help your business, which would help you know the career path that you actually want to take, that is a form of mm. investing, right? You're, you're taking a penalty, sure. But um, I mean, again, how much could it possibly? I mean, I would be more concerned if you were like, hey, I, I want to take this money out because I can't pay my bills. Mm. I'd be like, "Mm, leave it. The fact that you want to invest it in land is an investment. 
If you can't roll it over and do it. If a, you could execute on it properly. Of course. But still, anything's a risk, right? So yeah. if you're going to, if you if you're if you know you're not going to stay in that job, it's part-time. There's probably not that much money in there. Although, I mean, that is that is a that's speculation, of course. Mm-hmm. My suggestion is to just take it out and invest it in land to farm. And if you can't roll it over, then what? And that's really the only, the only, it's really an option between um, taking it out or leaving it in. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and you uh, face this question a lot in your life, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I, 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 you know, you got to pull out, bud. You got to pull out. You just got to do it. A lot of consequences come when you don't pull right. out. You know what I mean? All right. All right. All right I'm just saying. But <laughs> I, that's 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 my like business minded uh, mm. sort of risk taking advice because I don't know I I you know I I had a four hundred one k with a company for a long time I had two years I probably had the same amount three years I wasn't working part time but there wasn't much money in there it was probably a couple thousand and uh. It was like, oh, do I roll? I, I I wanted to roll it over into my next job, but they didn't offer it, so I just took it out. It was a couple and thousand bought, and bought beer. And bought, yeah, I, no, I probably like did some dumb shit with it. Yeah. So had look, I took t- taken it out, invested it in my company, totally different. Thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that that would have been huge. And and you know, to to be honest, when I was young and Lehman Brothers went bankrupt, they had some sort of pension thing, and I remember getting a thing in the mail. They're like, oh, you're whatever this do you want a check or to roll yeah. it into whatever i was like check give me a check it was like maybe five hundred dollars or something oh really and you you paid taxes on that yeah oh yeah sure. it was like five hundred dollars top level number <laughs> right, and then when right. i got it it was like so much less sure. it was like it was like but we're talking whatever. about like look again and i'm this is all based on assumption we're talking about maybe a couple thousand dollars at the most let's just say it's ten thousand dollars 30 years from now Mm-hmm. You can take that money out tax free. What do you think that's gonna? You know, I, again, we don't know it's what it's, it's invested be a lot. in. I, so, so here's a here's a thing. Yeah, um, my thought, but it could be it, thirty times as much if he invested in land and is able to make money from that land over the next thirty years. I'll tell you what, Matt. I had a lot of really good ideas when I was twenty seven. Yeah. And now that I am thirty five, I can tell you with certainty that almost none of them were good ideas that's not true i mean i had a few that's not true that's fucking false i know it's false because you had an idea to start listen money matters six years ago. fine okay so suck it dude are are you kidding (laughs) me all right look i (laughs) (laughs) you know um i won i just won (laughs) i won the 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 mathematically responsible thing to do is to leave it in, <laughs> you know. And then so just, the, I think so the, just so just soak. You just want to keep it. Just <laughs> leave it in. Don't move. <laughs> just 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 come soak. up fine. Come up with a plan. All right. You know of what it's going to go towards. But the easiest thing, and and the most obviously successful thing is to do nothing with it. But the biggest worry is you forget about it. You don't know where it is. So I looked it up personal capital specifically supports this so add it in there so you just mm. like have it in your dashboard you don't forget if that yeah. is a path you take i don't know that i could with good conscience say rec- say pull it out because it's probably a very high fee 
Um, I am, I am, I am personally recommending invested in the career you want for the long term. If you are going to do anything, it that that to me that is almost the same as rolling it over into your next career, four hundred one k. You know, obviously you're gonna hit, you're gonna take a penalty, but I mean, take a penalty shot for your dreams. That's right, Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> he didn't say that, but um, yeah, I don't know. That's what I got. I don't know. I was actually really impressed that you're able to quote Wayne Red- Wayne Gretzky like that. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I I know all of uh, Wayne Gretzky's quotes. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's right. That's the only one that matters. It's the only one that matters. David, thank you very much for your question. I hope that Andrew and I's rambling on that and and uh, clear euphemisms when it comes to having sex <laughs> there were, uh, there were helped that you. We, what? No, oh, you didn't know we were making euphemisms? No, no. I was just... No? All right. You thought we were just being... Okay. Well, I was laughing because of the sour with blueberries I'm drinking. See, that's... Yeah. Andrew doesn't understand how sex works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, that's that's five questions. I want to thank David. I want to thank Cameron, Bob, Jamal, and Nikita for your questions. Thank you. Keep them coming because we love doing five questions. And if you miss anything, we'll have everything in the show notes. Either check your preferred podcast app or visit listenmoneymatters.com slash show. Everything will be there. Mm. Please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts. And actually, instead of subscribing, you're already subscribed. Hopefully, if you're listening to the show, just tell a friend, have them subscribe by pointing them to your favorite episodes. Maybe it's five questions. Who knows? Mm. If you have any questions or topics you want us to talk about on future episodes of Five Questions or any other show, email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And all the tools and resources that we normally mention on this and every show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. All right. That's it, man. Mm-hmm. Another five questions down the drain. Uh, not down the drain. Up the drain. Not down the, Yeah, up the drain. Yeah. All right. Later, man. Later. Please tell your friends about this show. <laughs>